Part two of Book forty three of Orlando Furioso. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Thomas Copeland. Orlando Furioso by Ludovico Ariosto. Translated by Sir John Harrington. Book forty three, part two. I mean the tale of that Adonio which the great gift gave unto the judge's wife, a little dog that made his owner rich a thing that in these parts is known so rife the knight replied mine ears to hear it itch for never yet i heard it in my life then if it please you hear it now you shall the steersman said and thus began his tale there was a learned lawyer called by name anselmus born here in our neighbor town that so long studied ulpian till he came to be a judge and wear a scarlet gown and having won great wealth he wooed a dame for beauty and for state of great renown they wedded were for better and for worse so he her person liked so she his purse her qualities and haviour passed the rest she seemed all of loveliness composed not fit indeed for him that was to rest and to his books more than to sports disposed wherefore foul jealous thoughts his mind possessed and that his wife played false he still supposed yet cause was none of her so to misdeem save that too fair and witty she did seem now in the self-same city dwelt a knight too near a neighbour to this man of law that was of that same stock descended right that had their offspring from the serpent's jaw from whence the fairy eke that manto height and built our city doth her lineage draw this knight that was adonio called by name was much enamoured on the lovely dame and that he might attain this lady's love he doth begin to spend beyond all measure in clothes in feasts his calling far above in shows in plays to do his mistress pleasure to bear the charge thereof it would behoove to have that emperor tiberius treasure so as i ween ere winters twain were past his lands were quite consumed he spent so fast wherefore compelled to strike his lofty sails he suddenly surceased his stately port the house now that the lord's revenue fails stood solitary quite without resort there were no pheasants partridges nor quails his pittance now was grown but bare and short and he that erst was king of all this feasting played least in sight now doubting of arresting and therefore loathing to be known or seen he purposed in this place not long to tarry but with a mind to leave his country clean he stale away from thence all solitary her only love that of his heart was queen in all his woes he still with him doth carry but lo when as his ebb did see most low good fortune made his tide most high to flow for as he wandered here and there abroad he saw how that a sturdy clown and stout with sturdy staff laid on no little load upon a bush still beating thereabout Antonio in the place makes some abode and asked the cause of that same country lout who told him that a monstrous snake and huge had taken that same bush for a refuge and told him further he that stir did make with mind to find and kill it ere he part adonio for his crest did give the snake and therefore loved and favoured snakes in heart as from whose kind he did his gentry take wherefore unto the clown he doth impart his mind so far at last he him persuaded to let alone the snake he so invaded this done he went as he was bent before far from his country where he was unknown and so endured till seven whole years and more of woe and want quite o'er his head were blown but that great love he to his mistress bore him forced though now all out of fashion grown with bushy beard lean cheeks and ragged clothes to turn unto the place that most he loathes in this meantime our town had cause to send some sage ambassador unto the pope that must upon his holiness attend and for his suit to take a whole year's scope the judge by lot was chosen to that end 
Oh, cursed lot that killed all his hope, To shun this office he tries many shifts By excuses, promises, by prayers and gifts, But finding that he strave against the stream, At last against his will he takes the place, Though to depart into another ream It seemed unto him a grievous case. His jealousy therewith grew most extreme, Misdoubting his wife's truth so long a space. Yet, natheless, her engrave and friendly speech, To have great care thereof he doth beseech. He saith the woman cannot take upon her, With beauty, riches, nor with high nobility, To claim the true deserved praise of honor, If chastity do fail by her fragility. This is the virtue that defends her owner, And now she may, he saith, with great facility Attain great praise, and show thereof great proof, While he is forced to stay so far aloof. These words he spake, and many such as these, Whereby to move her to continue true. And she, poor soul, yet free from such disease, His parting thence did much lament and rue. She swears that sooner men should drain the seas Than draw her mind so to forget her due. Yea, first she will even die the death, she saith, Much rather than to falsify her faith. The judge, appeased with this her protestation, Began to have of her the less mistrust, but yet his fond and jealous inclination so moves him that search further needs he must. He had a friend that could by conjuration foretell of future matters true and just, that were it skill in magic or in stars, his guess was such as that it seldom ours. He speaketh to that friend to this effect that he his wife's nativity would cast to learn if he did right or wrong suspect that she would in his absence live unchaste the man thus prayed the figure doth erect and in their place the planets all he placed anselmus leaves him busy and next day doth come to hear him what he hath to say twas long before the astronomer would speak as loath to speak that would the judge offend with many excuses frivolous and weak he shifts him off but urged by his friend he told him flatly she would wedlock break and that she would to him prove false in the end not moved by beauty nor by suit desired but even for lucre's sake directly hired now when anselmus former bad belief was newly reconfirmed by spheres supernal it doubtless did so much augment his grief I think his torture past the pains infernal, and more than all the rest, this grieved him chief, that to his heart a course it was eternal, to think that avarice should her entice upon her chastity to set a price. Yet to prevent all that such mind might breed, most earnestly he bendeth all his power, for as they say, man is compelled by need to rob the church and hallowed things devour his jewels plate and stock that did exceed he put all in her hands that present hour and made it all her own by deed of gift and told her plain what was here in his drift he saith he gives it her on this condition not that she should strive to increase or mend it for why he said she should have free commission to sell to give cast it away and spend it but only that she should avoid suspicion of wedlock breach and by no means offend it on this condition all he then bequeaths her that he may find her such as now he leaves her he further doth her earnestly exhort that presently when he is gone away she should for more eschewing of resort not any longer in the city stay but at his country house where in good sort till his return the season pass she may belike he thought in tillers of the ground and country swains enticements none are found his loving wife, Argia, all this space till hanging on his neck while he did speak, with kindly tears bedewed all his face, and much it grieved her to be judged so weak, and to be deemed so devoid of grace, that in his absence she should wedlock break. Her manners have not been so light and vicious, she saith, to move him to be thus suspicious. I should too long in this one matter dwell, If all that passed between them to at large, When he departed, I to you should tell, Still iterating that his former charge. Now on his way he goes, God speed him well. The grief was great that did his heart surcharge, But thus they part, 
her eyes all full of tears, his mind of jealousies and thousand fears. This while Adonio, looking pale and wan, as erst I told, and overgrown with hair, to travel to his countryward began, in hope that no man now would know him there. He travels in the secret sort he can, unseen, unknown, till he arrived where he rescued had the snake seven years before, that by the clown pursued was so sore. Arriving at this place by break of day, he saw a lady walking near the lake, who, though she seemed attired in strange array, yet for some great estate one would her take, her countenance did such majesty beray. She toward him with stately gait did make, and looking on him with a gracious cheer, she spake these words, so loud as he might hear. Gentlemen, though you do not know my face, yet am I bound to you and am your friend. I am your cousin, and of Cadmus' race. Our royal stock doth lineally descend. I am that manto that in yond same place to build that town did first begin and end, and Mantua, according to my name, tis called, as you perhaps have heard by fame. I am a fairy, and to make you know to be a fairy what it doth import, we cannot die how old soe'er we grow. Of pain and harms of every other sort we taste, but yet no death we nature owe. But, which is worse than if our lives were short, each seventh day we constrained are to take upon ourselves the person of a snake, to be transformed to serpent's ugly hue that creepeth still and on his belly goeth is such a grief to us, to tell you true, not one of us but then to live doth loath. Now that I further may declare to you from whence this kindness that I spake of growth, know this, what day we have this cursed shape, we hardly danger's infinite escape. No living thing is loathed more than they, so that no sooner one of us is spied, but we are chased and hunted out straightway, and if we find no place ourselves to hide, they lay on load and beat us so that day, that we the pain thereof long after bide. And who would not rather one death have choosed than beaten evermore to be and bruised? Now, sir, the benefit that I confess I have received in which your merit stands was this. Some seven years since, or not much less, as you did wander o'er these woods and lands, you savoured me from danger and distress I should have suffered at a villain's hands, who, though he could not slay me, near the latter did seek with cudgel me to bruise and batter. For why those days that we be snakes, she saith, and creeping, grovelling, bellies on the ground, the heavens that other times our hest obeyeth denies their aid. In us no force is found. Sometimes the sun at our commandment stayeth, the steady earth doth move and runneth round, and we can by our power cause in a trice ice turn to flame, and fire congeal to ice. Now here I come your curtsy to requite which seven years since I to me done did note. Now to reward you I have power and might, while I am free from serpent's cursed coat. Three times your father's wealth you shall ere night possess, and I will set you so afloat you never shall be poor to your life's end, but ever have the more the more you spend. And, for I know that in your former knot, in which love bound you first, you still are tied, I will direct you so by ways I want. Your suit shall not be unto you denied. Now that the jealous judge at home is not, go thither straight, and I will be your guide. She now is at her husband's country village, attending there good hussifry and tillage. She further doth at large to him devise how he shall go, in what apparel clad, how he shall tempt her, in what manner wise, and how to grant his suit she should be glad. Then told she how she would herself disguise, for why, for ever in her power she had, except the days in which she was a snake, what shape she list upon herself to take. Thus she disguised him like a pilgrim poor, that on his shoulders doth a wallet bear and doth for God's sake beg from door to door. A gown of friar's grey she made him wear, a strange apparel for a gallant wooer. 
into an island dog with shagged hair as white as ermine and the prettiest elf that ever nature made she changed herself and thus unto argeas they resort first to some utter rooms in which were biding the hinds and laborers of meaner sort here he with certain pipes of his providing his dog may dance and make such pretty sport that glad was he could bring his mistress tiding who needs would see as much as they had seen such was the doctor's destiny i ween adonio to her presence thus admitted commands the dog which in all points obeyed his turns his dances and his gestures fitted so due and just to all the pilgrims said they mused to see a dog so rarely witted and marking still the qualities he played in seeing them they take great mirth and pleasure and praise the little dog beyond all measure much wonder first but after much desire bred in the judge's wife the dog to get she bids the nurse the dog to buy or hire and try what price the man thereof would set dame said the pilgrim had your mistress buy her in coined gold as much as ever yet a woman's thought did wish it would not boot of this same dog of mine to buy one foot and plain to show that that was true he said and that it rather better was than worse he took her straight aside with him and prayed the dog to give two ducats to the nurse the dog but shook his ears and out he laid the gold there take and put it in thy purse adonio said and think what price is able to buy a dog that is so profitable whate'er i ask this dog to me will bring embroidered gowns and kirtles cloth of gold a chain of pearl a jewel or a ring in shorter time than it can well be told yet tell my lady this she hath a thing for which alone my spaniel can be sold to pay me gold or coin i count it dodging but i will sell it her for one night's lodging this said he sent by her as for a token a gem of passing price then newly made the nurse rewarded thus and fairly spoken and used perhaps to traffic in such trade went back therewith and having fitly broken the matter first her mistress doth persuade to buy the dog and said she might achieve it with uh, such a price as is no loss to give it at first the fair argia backward drew as partly being loath to break her faith and partly doubting all could not be true the which the tattling nurse before her laith but she with oaths doth her first tale renew and that such offers seldom come she saith in fine she wan her mistress to agree next day more privately the dog to see adonio's next appearance in the place became the doctor's ruin and confusion such ducats such spur-riles in such case such gems he showed indeed or by illusion he mollified thereby my lady's grace and moved her make the bargain in conclusion and this did then perhaps the rather move her when as she knew he was her ancient lover thus her true lover's presence and his prayer the comforts of her nurse that whorish drudge the great rewards he presently did pay her the absence long of that same jealous judge and lastly hope that sure none would bewray her wiped from her conscience scruple all and grudge so that she took his dog and for his labor gave him free leave to play upon her taper thus now adonio frankly reaped the fruit of that fair lady's love that he had won the which he followed still with sweet pursuit unto their likings both this while the son before the judge full ended had his suit through twice six signs his yearly course had run and home he came at last suspecting sore that which the astronomer had told before but ere unto his own house he would go first of the astronomer to ask he meant if so his wife had tarried chaste or no since he from home on his embassage went the cunning man that meant the troth to show doth calculate to see how stars were bent and when that he the planets well had viewed that she had played the queen he doth conclude 
and that it was befall as he foreshowed how she with mighty gifts and bribes allured herself upon another had bestowed the wretched judge with no small grief endured to hear these news and though too true he trowed the same yet seeking to be more assured he calls the nurse aside at his homecoming and seeks to sift her with no little cunning with divers circumquaques and devices he seeketh of the nurse to find the trace but she in speech so wary and so nice is as one belike well studied in the case that all his cunning speech her not entices but that she still denied with shameless face that which she knew, and whereof her persuasion had been in part, though not the chief occasion. Whenas the jealous judge long time in vain had tempted her with promises and gifts, and that he saw for all his search and pain he found less certainty the more he sifts, he doth expect to try a further train, as one not unacquainted with such drifts, he watched a time when they should fall to brawling, as still where women is, is oft befalling. And, as he thought indeed, so fell it out. The testy nurse, one day not pleased well, came unto him at their next falling out, and of her own accord the truth doth tell. Think you, when as the judge had heard her out, how he did chafe and fret and fume and swell so near unto his heart and brain it sits it little wanted to have reaved his wits and in this agony resolved to die and finish both his own days and his wives and so his grief and her great shame thereby to wipe away with ending both their lives he turneth to the city by and by as that same desperate desire him drives and thence a trusty servant with instruction he sends of purpose for his wife's destruction he bids him tell argia in his name that on the sudden he was fallen so sick that but to him without delay she came the doubt was great she should not find him quick wherefore her journey with more speed to frame to ride behind this man who in a thick that was right in the way into the city had charged to kill her there without all pity and straight accordingly the servant went to say and do as much as he was bidden but she foretold of that there fell intent for nothing from her little dog was hidden and taught withal the same how to prevent away with this same servant she is ridden and in few hours arrived at the wood where he was purposed to have shed her blood then did he tell to her his master's will and drew his sword a speedy death to give her he only offered ere he would her kill to grant her time to pray god to forgive her i cannot tell you by what manner skill she did herself forth of his hands deliver but gone she was he seeking all about and for his life he could not find her out back went the fellow with a stonied face with trembling heart and courage all dismayed and made his master at the wondrous case no less than he had been afore afraid he knew not how by fairy manto's grace his wife could when she list have help and aid for why the nurse that did the rest unfold i knew not why but this she never told the doctor now was plagued with grief extreme far more than ever he had felt before what erst was but a mote is now a beam nor he one jot revenged is the more his shame will now be blazed o'er all the ream and all men now will laugh at him therefore the former error might have been concealed but this to all the world will be revealed he thinks that sure upon this plain detection of his felonious mind of which i spake she will to keep her out of his subjection to some great lord forthwith herself betake and live in spite of him with such protection and so a mocking stock of him to make but most he doubts lest to some man she goeth as is a lecher and a roughen both wherefore so foul a mischief to prevent he spares no pain no travel nor no cost to every town in lombardy he sent with letters and with messages in post and further he himself in person went to seek his wife that was so strangely lost but all in vain for why of her abiding no inkling he could hear nor any tiding 
and to conclude at last he called his man that man that made to him a strange report and bids him show the place and if he can where his nude mistress vanished in such sort the servant straight to lead the way began and to the place together they resort but which was strange where erst he left a wood a wondrous stately palace now there stood the fair argia caused had this space her fairy to erect there for her pleasure an house of alablaster in the place adorned and gilt with cost beyond all measure twere hard to think much less to tell with grace what beauty was without within what treasure my master's house from whence last night you came was but a paltry alehouse to this same of costly arras there was so great plenty of beds of silk embroidered fresh and new as furnished chambers more than ten times twenty and halls and whatsoever was in view cups candlesticks and bowls of stones most dainty of precious substance and of sundry hue to be employed for eating and for drinking and store of gold and silk beyond all thinking now sir the wretched judge as i said erst that out to seek his wife had here assigned and finds this house in state as i rehearsed where he had nothing thought but woods to find with wonder great his mazed head was pierced and doubted not a little in his mind if so himself were sleeping then awaking or if his troubled brain were in due taking he sees a gypsum standing at the door all blab-lipped beetle-browed and bottle-nosed most greasy nasty his apparel poor his other parts as painters are disposed to give to aesop such a blackamoor could not be seen elsewhere as he supposed so vile a visage and so bad a grace to make even paradise a loathsome place and selmus seeing none but this same drudge went unto him and prayed him make it known whose house is this the gypsum tells the judge that he himself the stately house doth own the judge that he doth mock him sure doth judge and prays the certain truth to him be shown the negro doth affirm with many an oath that that which he had said before was troth and that he plainly might the truth perceive he prays him view the house at better leisure and offereth him free liberty and leave of anything was there at his own pleasure for him or for his friends to take and leave and even as of his own to make free seizure the doctor marvels that such liberality could be in one of so base show and quality but yet the judge so fair and kind entreated in friendly sort doth from his horse alight and sees the house as i before repeated with wonder great and with as great delight so richly furnished so princely seated so bravely built for use as well as sight and every part with others so agreeing he could not satisfy his eyes with seeing now when the judge came back again he told he ne'er saw a house so pleasing to his eye and swears he thought that ten times croesus gold were scant a price so rare a house to buy yet may the negro saith this house be sold though not for coin for not for coin care i yet for some other ware which sure i guess you will esteem at price a great deal less in fine he made to him the like request as sodomites did make for guests of lot the judge his motion doth and him detest who though five times repulsed yet ceaseth not but him with so large offers still he pressed that in conclusion like a beastly sot so that it might be done in hugger-mugger the judge agreed the negro him should note the word is blank within parentheses argia that thereby unseen had stayed and seen him fall into the sin fornamed disclosed herself and sharply did upbraid his filthy fact that justly might be blamed a judge said she reputed wise and stayed sin thus wherewith the doctor was so shamed he wished the earth would cleave unto the centre that he to hide himself therein might enter 
but she exclaimeth on him still anew for his more shame and for her more excuse and said what punishment were fit for you for this foul sin against all nature's use that did no less than death to me think due for such a small and natural abuse with one that loved me and whose gift was such as ten such houses are not worth so much if one death did unto my fault belong one hundred deaths were fit to thine to give and though myself am in this place so strong that if i list thou shouldst no longer live yet will i do to thee no further wrong but pardon thee and thou shalt me forgive and quite each other all old debts and driblets and set the hare's head against the goose giblets and let henceforth peace follow in effect as ought to be between the man and wife nor ever ton to t'other once object our former fault in all our future life the judge was glad and did it not neglect to take this friendly end of cursed strife thus as good friends they lived many a year and while they lived they loved each other dear and there the steersman did his story end with which he moved the worthy knight to laughter who blamed the doctor that did so offend and talked of the same a good while after but much he did argea's wit commend or at the least the wit of her that taught her to make the judge into that net fall in in which herself was fallen with far less sin now when the sun gan mount unto the south a little table in the barge was spread and then the knight began to feed his mouth when sleep his eyes and talk his ears had fed the manjuan at his charges him alloweth all fine acates that that same country bred the while his swimming vessel doth forsake the pleasant country and unpleasant lake from thence he held his course still forward right the river running straight as any line which when they pass it had with speedy flight upon the t'other hand they did decline and by a ditch and standing pool in sight ere of that day were spent full hours nine and to ravenna as they were commanded they went and there the brave rinaldo landed although rinaldo could but seldom boast of store of coin yet now such store he had as to the bargemen of his friendly host he gave a largesse such as made them glad from thence to rimini he went in post and changing horses still now good now bad that night at montefiore he did but sup and so turbino ere next sun was up then cagli and from thence the alps he passed then thumbris and etruscans thence to rome and so by bark to ostia in great haste he went and to that city he doth come which good aeneas many ages past ennobled with his sire anchises tomb then straight by sea he went unto this isle where i did leave orlando since a while i mean that isle that lipadusa hight wherein the famous warriors three to three the combat that i spoke of erst did fight the which rinaldo longing sore to see with oars and sails made all the hasty might but yet for all his haste it would not be the wind did for his purpose serve so slack more than an hour too late it kept him back so that even much about that time he came when as orlando had that conquest won in which unto his everlasting fame two turkish princes unto death were done yet was some sorrow mingled with the same both for the death of monodante's son and olivero's hurt of which he found such grief he could not set his foot to ground now as the earl rinaldo did embrace he could not choose but shed a stream of tears whenas he showed him in the present place good brandemart to whom such love he bears lie newly slain with pale and liveless face likewise to weep rinaldo not forbears to see his death and eke his cousin's bruise so grievous that his foot he could not use rinaldo comforts them in all he may although himself of comfort tasted least and chief to think by his unlucky stay he was come tardy to so great a feast this while the woeful servants did convey their masters courses to the town distressed i mean Berserta, where they made it known which side prevailed and which was overthrown of this same conquest that orlando won astolfo and stout sansonet were glad 
yet joyed they not so as they would have done if Brandemart his death then had not had. The fall of noble Monodante's son strake them into a dump and made them sad. But who shall now impart to Fjordelege the woeful loss of her dear lord and liege? Herself had dreamt a strange dream overnight, which did her mind in fearful sort dismay. She dreamt the bases of her loved knight, which he embroidered black this other day, with spots of red were powdered all in sight, and on the same like storm of hailstones lay. That she had done it so she sure believed, and with the thought thereof was greatly grieved. She further thought that to herself she said, Did not my lord command me black to make it? What meant I then to mix it so with red, and in so strange a manner to mistake it? An ill presage in her this fancy bred, and for an evil token she did take it. Then came these news, which none imparted with her till the English duke and Sansonet came thither. When they came in, and that she well had heeded their countenances in such a conquest sad, no further news, no further notice needed to make her know they brought her tidings bad. Forthwith her grief and sorrow so exceeded scarce any power her vital spirits had, but presently in pale and deadly sound she fell in woeful trance upon the ground. But when that life came to his course again, her tender cheeks and her fair hair she tear, oft calling on his loved name in vain, whose loss had bred in her such woeful care. She screeches and cries out with grief and pain, like those with devils that possessed are, or as the minades with sound of horn in furious manner all about were born. This man and that to lend she doth entreat a knife wherewith herself she murder may. Straight to the haven she runs with fury great, there where the bodies of the dead kings lay, with mind to mangle them and bruise and beat. Then to the sea she will, there is no nay, and pass to Lipidus, and there abide, and end her life by Brandemart's dear side. Ah, Brandemart, my loved lord, she said, what meant I without me to let thee part? I, me, unlucky wretch, in that I stayed and was not present there to take thy part. Mine eye might unto thee have been an aid, my voice might have assisted thee in part. And if Gradasso thee behind had stricken, one cry of mine might thee both warn and quicken. Or else, perhaps so well I might have sped me as to have stepped the blow and thee between. If thou hadst scaped, although it did behead me, I would have said that it had happy been. Now die I will, though death no whit can stead me, and though I know my death is fruitless clean. Whereas if I had died in thy defense, my death had profit bred and not offence. And if the heavens had been so hard in this that I could not have holped thee in the place, at least my last farewell and solemn kiss I should have given thee, and thy lovely face bedewed with tears. And ere to heavenly bliss thy soul had flown, I should have had the space to say, Depart from hence in peace, my dear, and know I have not long to tarry here. Is this, dear Brandemart, is this thy reign of Damagier, whose scepter I should take? Is this the dower thou dost to me ordain? Is this the royal seat of which you spake? Ah, fortune hard, how frivolous and vain dost thou my hopes and my designments make? Ah, why cease I, sith so great good is reft me, to cast away whatever else is left me? With this, again, so great her fury grew, she made upon herself a fresh assault, and her fair hair she rent and tear anew, as if her hair had been in all the fault. Even from her tender cheeks the blood she drew, still dewing them with watery tears and salt. But let her hear a while lament and mourn, for to Orlando I must now return, who with his kinsman that did now require some cunning leech his grievous wound to cure, and, for to Brandemart he did desire to give an honorable sepulture, to that hill went that doth the night with fire make clear, and doth the day with smoke obscure. And so the wind did favor his intent, in twenty hours he came to Agrigent. 
Here, when they were down from their ships alighted, the sun even then preparing to go down, they sent abroad and in great haste invited the chief nobility of all the town. Straight at the shore of torches store was lighted, and many men of honor and renown, when as Orlando to the shore returned, went with him to the corpse, and with him mourned. There Barden stood, a man well stricken years, and in such sort to wail he did persever, that with abundant shedding of his tears men thought he would have lost his eyes for ever. To blame the heavens and stars he not forbears, but roaring like a lion in a fever, tear his gray hair, and all about it sprinkled, and spared not his aged skin and wrinkled. When as the paladin approached near, straight doubled was the morning noise and cry, each strived who should most sorrowful appear, and every one lift up his voice on high. Orlando, with more heavy heart than cheer, still keeping fixed on the bier his eye, when silence first by signs procured he had, pronounced these words with mourning voice and sad, O stout, O dear champion mine and friend, that here art dead but livest in heavenly seat, where thy great joys shall never have an end, nor ever be impaired with cold or heat. Yet pardon me, in that I do offend to wail my woe and misery so great. My sorrow is not for thy parting hence, but that myself am so long absent thence. To think that he is severed now so far in whom I joyed, this doth my pain increase. I was with thee in tempests and in war, why am not I with thee in calm and peace? O oh, miry flesh, that me from bliss doth bar, Why cannot I obtain a like release, Sith still I was co-partner of thy pain? Why am I kept from part of so great gain? To you the happy guerdon and the gain, To us the loss and damage all is left. France, Germany and Italy complain their chief defense and their chief buckler reft. How shall my prince and uncle now sustain, deprived of so good help, so great a heft? Thy loss of succor hath bereaved holy, both holy church and eke the empire holy. The pagans, whom thou dauntedst in thy life, how will they gather heart now with thy death? How will they stir new storms of fearful strife, now having so good means to gather breath? But how great sorrow will thy dearest wife sustain? Methinks I hear even now she saith I am to blame, and that she hates me most, and saith by me she hath her world's joy lost. Yet, Fjordilege, this comfort may revive both thee and all that for his death are sorry that all the valiant knights that him survive have cause to envy and admire his glory. The Desiae nor the knight that leapt alive in Kirshen Lake, so praised in Latin story, nor Codrus by the Greeks so magnified, with greater praise nor honor never died. These words, and such as these Orlando spake, the while the friars, both white and black and gray, a solemn and a long procession make in goodly rank and in devout array, that God to heaven the dead man's spirit take, requiem I ternam, for his soul they pray, and tapers in the midst, before, behind, did cause that night like to the noonday shined. Then diverse earls and knights the hearse uphold, all over which a mantle rich was spread of purple silk, embroidered brave with gold, and with fair pearl and stone well garnished. Of equal cost and beauty to behold, the coffin was that held the body dead, provided by the paladin to be fit for his calling and his high degree. Three hundred people of the poorer sort of dwellers that inhabited the town unto the funerals did then resort, and unto each was given a morning gown. An hundred pages mounted in good sort on warlike steeds, clothed to the ground adown, and both the pages and the gallant steeds from top to toe were clad in mourning weeds. Then bare they diverse banners fair displayed, and painted diverse arms that he obtained from armed bands alone without all aid, and had to Caesar and to Peter gain. 
with hundreds more all in black gowns arrayed to whom were diverse offices ordained and last rinaldo and orlando came but olivero stayed for he was lame it long would be ere i could it rehearse and tell what ceremonies used were nor can i comprehend them well in verse how orderly they were accomplished there unto the chiefest church they bear a hearse the while nor young nor old to weep forbear his nobleness his value and his youth did breed in all their hearts so wondrous ruth now when the women finished had and done their bootless weeping and their fruitless pain the priest had said their kiri lay is on and all the rites that thereunto pertain the carcass of great monodonte's son so chested on two columns to remain orlando caused till time he might procure a costly and more stately sepulchre from sicily orlando not departs till he for touch and porphyry had sent and all that were most skilful of those arts had talked with all and told them his intent then fjordelege coming to those parts her time her travel and her treasure spent to make the tomb most stately for her spouse at which to spend her future time she vows and sith her plaints and tears were never tired in that self place she means her days to pass and for her husband's soul she still desired continual dirges and perpetual mass from company herself she quite retired and to the place such her devotion was that by the tomb she built a little cell in which till death she purposed to dwell orlando diverse messages did send to her and after that in person went to fetch her into france and did pretend that her to place with gallerany meant or if the time in prayer she still would spend he would a nunnery build for that intent or that he would if so she so had rather attend her to her country and her father but at the tomb she tarried obstinate and would for thence by no mean be removed still doing saying both betime and late penance and prayers for him that she so loved till death in then cut off her doleful date and sent her soon to find her dear beloved but now the knights of france from sicil parted for loss of their companion heavy-hearted and oliver still of his foot complained for why no salve nor surgery prevailed but that he was with grief so greatly painted they doubted that his life would then have failed thus while they all in doubtful dump remained the man that steered the bark in which they sailed did make to them this motion sage and wise and they agreed to follow his advice he told them that not far from thence there dwelled an hermit in a solitary place that so in sanctity of life excelled that he could remedy each doubtful case diseases diverse were by him expelled dumb blind and lame were healed such was his grace and that he could with one sign of the cross allay the waves when they do highest toss in fine he told them sure there was no doubt to find relief even present at the hands of that same man so holy and devout as scarce his match was found in many lands orlando having heard the pilot out inquired of the place which way it stands and presently the place to him was showed and toward it in haste they sailed and rode next morning they discovered all the isle but kept aloof so as their ship might float and there they cast their anchor and the while conveyed the wounded marquess in a boat upon the shallow waves scant half a mile unto the blessed hermit's simple coat that very hermit that before but late had brought rogero unto christian state the man of god that had his dwelling here came forth and met orlando at the gate and welcomed him with kind and friendly cheer inquiring of his errant and their state although to him it was apparent clear for god that night had sent his angel late to tell the saint thereof orlando said his errant was to get his kinsman aid who had a great and grievous maim received in fighting for the empire and the faith and was of hope and comfort quite bereaved be of good cheer the godly hermit saith who trust in god shall never be deceived yet ointment none unto his hurt he laith 
But first to church he goeth and makes his prayer, Then with great boldness doth to them repair, And calling on that treble sovereign name Of God the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, He blessed the knight that maimed was and lame. O oh, wondrous grace of which God's saints may boast, Straight to his use each vain and sinew came, No part of all his former strength was lost. And, as it pleased God of his great grace, Sobrino present was then in that place, And, being now so weak with bleeding brought, That even his vital sprites were almost spent, And seeing plainly such a wonder wrought, So great, so gracious, and so evident, To leave his Macon he thereby was taught, And to confess our Christ omnipotent. He prayed, in most contrite and humble manner, To be a soldier under Christian banner. The just old man did grant him his request, And christened him, and did his health restore, At which Orlando, Stout, and all the rest Rejoiced much, and praised God therefore. Rogero, eke as joyful as the best, Increased in devotion more and more To see those mysteries divine and oracles Confirmed so by plain apparent miracles. Thus all this company and sweet consort In this same blessed hermit's house to stay, Who doth them all most fatherly exhort To bend their whole endeavors all they may, That in this inn, where man's abode is short, They seek to wash away the dirt and clay That some call life and greatly to commend, And soul to heaven their eyes and hearts to bend. Then sent Orlando to his ship in haste For bread and wine and other dainty dishes, And this old man whom abstinence and fast Had made forget the taste of beasts or fishes, Of charity they prayed some flesh to taste, And he therein consented to their wishes, And when they all had eat to their contents, They found discourse of sundry arguments, And, as in speech it often doth befall That one thing doth another bring to light, Rogero was at last known to them all, For that Rogero that excelled in fight. The first that him to memory did call Was Sobrin, who did know him well by sight. The next that knew his lovely look and stately Was good Rinaldo, that fought with him lately. They all do come to him with friendly face, When of his Christendom they understand, And some do kiss him, others him embrace In kindest sort, some take him by the hand. But chief... Rinaldo strives to do him grace. Yet, if that you desire to understand why more than all the rest Rinaldo sought it, turn o'er the leaf, and there you shall be taught it. End of Book 43, Part 2